0: exceptionally common sense and uh, as we as we move into 2019 i really believe it's imperative that we look back at 2018 you know we we quote so many of the scriptures that talk about forget the past you know behold i i i forget the former things behold i do a new thing do you not perceive it right And we look at that scripture. It's it's found in in Isaiah chapter 43, 18 and 19. Then we look at the one in Philippians as well, where Paul says, focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So God wants us to forget the past. He wants us to look forward to what lies ahead. It's very, very important that we do that. But Can we actually forget the past? Is it possible, like, some type of Holy Spirit amnesia overtakes us, and that, you know, it's almost like a a spiritual memory wipe, like uh, you were erasing a hard drive on a computer or something, and we forget what actually happened in the past? Well, the answer to that is clearly, no, we can't forget what happened, but when Paul uses the word forget here, he's he's meaning this, no longer caring for, uh, neglect it, refuse to focus on it. Don't be anxious about it, in other words. Don't be concerned about it. And in fact, make a choice to neglect it and focus on the future. Wow. So many people can't move forward because they're stuck in a rut. They're stuck in the past, and there's pain from their past. There's perhaps personal failures, um, things that you did that, that you know you shouldn't have done, and there's a sense of remorse. There's a sense of guilt and and perhaps even condemnation on your life, and it paralyzes you so that you're not able to move forward into the future that God has for your life. God says, forget about it. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever been to New York City, but in New York City, when you're leaving Brooklyn, there's this big sign. It's hilarious. The sign says, you're now leaving Brooklyn. And then it says, forget about it. Okay, you're not, it's Italian. are you get it? Okay forget about it. F-U-G-A-B-U-D, you know, that's how you, so it's one word, forget about it, right? It's just, and so, you know, hey, thanks so much, forget about it. So, but the truth is, it's, it, it, God is saying, I want you to forget about it, all right? You know, this, this is your cousin Vinny telling you to forget about it, okay? So, forget about the past. God's saying, forget about it. It's okay. It's over. No matter what happened, No matter what you did, no matter what others did to you, just forget about it. It's over. God says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Why? See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? So don't focus on that. Don't live in the past, you know. Nothing hinders relationships and even our ability to, to connect with and help other people than when we're mired in another time zone, you know? Like, man, we're back in this time zone here, and we can't move forward into the future. We've got to sever the ties, of the you know, that, that keep us connected to that bygone moment. And there are really two ways that, you know, being stuck in the past can paralyze us. Do you understand that? That now if you're stuck in the past... It will paralyze you it will cripple you and prevent you from moving forward you know we refuse first of all to allow past failures okay guys don't allow your past failures to deflate your self-worth don't allow past failures to deflate your self-worth no matter what happened just forget about it God forgives you if you come to him seeking mercy If you come to him in repentance, he forgives you. Why can't you forgive yourself? By not forgiving yourself, you're essentially saying that you're more powerful than God. God forgives you. Who are you to not forgive yourself? Who am I not to forgive someone else if God forgives them? Wow. Secondly, our past successes... not our failures but our past successes inflate our pride what does that mean have you ever met the person when you talk to them and all they do is point back to a time you know i remember when god i remember when right they're bemoaning the glory days you know it was so good god moved God was amazing. My marriage was amazing. This was amazing, and I recognize for some of us, the past actually were better days than maybe what you're currently experiencing. That I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to to downplay that or belittle that in any way. You may be going through a very difficult time, but I want you to understand that God has new mercies for you. And the Bible says in the book of Lamentations, morning by morning, new mercies. God wants you to recognize that he has something powerful for you now and in your future, that we are to go from glory to glory that we're to move to a place where, where the past might have been great, it might have been good, but God's saying, I can do it again, and I want to do it again, and I want to even do more than what you've experienced up until this present time. So... Don't allow even your past successes to, to inflate your pride. Don't look back in history to, to some, you know, marker where that was your, you, what you measure, you gauge, or you define success by. I remember when this happened. I remember when I had that encounter with God. God's saying, as good as that may be, you know, oh, God used me so powerfully. When, when was that? Oh, yeah, 30 years ago. Uh, so what about now? What, what what have you experienced from God now? What What is happening in your life right now? Now, again, I know there have been moves of God, corporately speaking, that have been amazing in the past. They're part of our heritage. They're really building blocks for our future. But I'm talking here about our personal relationship with God. I'm talking here about what is happening in our life right now. You see, we don't want to live in the past. We don't want to be stuck in the past by any means because our past can can paralyze us. But God wants us to actually come to the point where we allow our past not to paralyze us but to propel us into the future because our past especially the, those, those negative things in our past, can actually deform our lives. But don't allow your past to deform you. Allow your past to inform your present so that you will experience transformation in your future. I want you to look at it this way. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to read the first five verses here. The children of Israel are about to cross over into the promised land. Come on, we are here right now. We are poised and we're we're standing at the in a precipice of time where we're about to cross over into a new year. 2018 will never ever be something that we can go back and and, and, and retrieve and experience and live in. It's gonna be gone, guys. Just in a couple of days, it's gone for good. There will never be a 2018 again. Gone. Wow. I don't even like that. But it's true. God's saying, I want to do something. And so the children of Israel are about to enter into a new season. God has brought them to that point where they've just experienced 40 years in the wilderness, not His will. But because of their disobedience, that vacation was extended. <laughs> A holiday from hell, really, right? And what God did God do? God said, I want to, now it's time, now it's time. This generation has passed away. They, they, that was originally that came out of Egypt. And so the other generation, I'm going to take you in to the promised land. But. Before you cross over the River Jordan and possess all that I've promised you, the blessings, the inheritance, the prosperity, the peace, the security, all that I promised you before you cross over and experience that, I want you to stop and look back. Over the past 40 years, God says, let's start reading it here. God says, remember, remember, he says, be careful to follow every commandment I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase, may enter and possess the land the Lord promised an oath to you and your ancestors. Listen to this. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Remember, God led you in the wilderness. I don't want you to forget the wilderness. You see, God is saying to us: There's some things in our lives that we want to forget, and and we don't want to, in a sense, for, you know, be be tangled up in it, so that it prevents us from moving into our future. But there's a clear sense in which God says, uh, you know, the past. If you if you if I were to title this message, I would say that the title of this message would be: The past. Don't live in it, but learn from it. Don't live in it but learn from it. There's a big difference. What is it God's saying, okay, guys, you can't go back to the past. You can't live out the past again. But the truth is you can learn from it. So before I take you into the promised land, I want you to remember how I led you these past 40 years. And why did God lead them? What was his purpose? To humble and test them in order to know what was in their heart, whether they or not they would keep his commandments. It's an amazing thing. He says, I humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did this to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out. Your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for what purpose? For your own good. God disciplines us for our own good. There's a reason, there's a purpose for the wilderness. So before you cross over Israel and possess the promises, I want you to look back and I want you to recall everything that happened in the wilderness. Now, guys, please understand this. God's not just saying, look back. At all of your failures. Now the Lord's saying, look back at my faithfulness in spite of all of your failures, because you did fail miserably at times. You rebelled. In fact, God says, to that generation, when he finally said, enough is enough, you're not going in to possess the land, your children will, and your grandchildren, but you're not. God said, they tested me ten times in the wilderness. I'm going to go through those ten tests over the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to show you specifically how God uh, was tested by the children of Israel. God said, the purpose of the wilderness is for you to be tested by me but you're actually testing me. Can you imagine a teacher and the student turns around and says to the teacher, I don't want to write this test. I want you to write it. <laughs> that's what we do to God, right? Like, hey, God, I don't want to go through this testing. And, and we turn it around and we test God by, by not submitting to what he's trying to do in our lives. So 10 times they tested him. And then God said, oh, that's it. Enough is enough. You're not going in. But you know, yet yeah, the amazing thing is, even though they tested God, God didn't wipe them out. He didn't say there's no hope. God said, I'm going to continue. I'm going to keep my promises because I'm a faithful God. I'm a covenant-keeping God. I want you to look back over these past 40 years. I want you to see how I led you to the Red Sea. When you came out of Egypt... It's amazing, right? As soon as they're out of Egypt, they had just experienced these 10 plagues. God had done these amazing miracles. Now, here they are at the Red Sea. Pharaoh's armies are pursuing them, and the Red Sea's in front of them. What are we going to do? And they begin to murmur. They begin to complain. They begin to get all stressed out and anxious. Test number one, fail. God, in spite of their failure, brings them through, takes them through. God delivers them, and he says, I want you to look back and remember how I was faithful. Guys, in 2018, you might have failed. You might have complained a little bit. Did anybody complain? Did anybody murmur? I tell you, with God, it's not three strikes and you're out. Ten strikes and you won't go into the promised land, but now I'd say. but If you murmur and complain over what's been happening in your life... You're not ready to go into the promised land. You're not ready yet to go into the promised land. If you refuse to trust God, Even though he's been so faithful to you, but you still question, God, what's going on in my life? I I don't know if I can trust you. And you're still trying to sort things out, take matters into your own hand and make it happen, make it come to pass. And you still haven't learned the lessons of the wilderness. You see, the purpose of the desert was discipleship. Discipleship in the desert. God is wanting us to come to a place where we recognize that it's in the wilderness that he takes us to disciple us. God led them in certain ways for specific reasons. Every time they hungered, God took care of them. Every time when they were thirsty, he he gave them water to drink. When they were tempted, when they murmured, when they complained, even though God maybe chastened them at times, God was still there, he was faithful God wants you to look back, and no matter what you went through, no matter how difficult it was, he was there. He was there providing for you. He was there guiding you. He was leading you. He never left you. He never forsook you. He was there at all times. He brought you through your circumstances. You're still here. You're still breathing. You're still alive. God has brought you through, not so that you can live in a state of defeat, but because he's preparing you for a brighter and better future. That future will only be realized in your life when you learn the things that God wants you to learn and was trying to teach you in 2018, what he was trying to teach me in 2018, perhaps even in 2017, 2016, 2015, 2014, even going back further. Maybe we still haven't really learned the things that he's been trying to teach us for all these years, and and we just keep crossing from one year into the next year. But the very lessons, the very core values that God is trying to infect to in our lives and the very... Very character that he's trying to develop in us. We've not allowed it to, to be molded in us. And as a result, we just move from one year into the next, but we're not changing. And people say time changes everything. That's not biblical. It does not say anywhere in the Bible that time changes anything. If you want to look at the at the human being, you know, as human nature is your source, that time typically makes us more jaded and more cynical, the older we get. But without the grace of God, without learning what the Lord is trying to teach us in our life, things won't change. You know, the children of Israel, here they are. The the Jordan River is in front of them. The is right there. They're, the Promised Land is just across this river. And God's saying, "I'm about to take you in. I'm about to bring you into this land flowing with milk and honey. This Promised Land. You'll prosper. You'll be at peace. You'll be secure." And you will be so blessed, my people. But before you cross over, I want you to stop for a moment and reflect upon the past 40 years in the wilderness. Because there was a purpose for what you went through in the wilderness. And some of you, I'm concerned, have you not yet learned the things that I was trying to teach you in the wilderness? And so I want you to look back. And I want you to reflect upon. And I want you to remember all of the things that happened in these 40 years. Because I was faithful. I was there. I showed you that I'm worthy of trusting. I showed you that you never have to doubt me. You know that I'm clearly going to be your provider. You are well aware that I never forsook you, that I never let you go, that I never let you down. And you can trust me. I can be your shepherd. I can be your savior. I can be the one who will take you across if you will just look back and remember and recall my faithfulness. This is an amazing scripture. It's found in Psalm 106. And God is actually saying about his people, when they were at the Red Sea, they did not remember my mercies. So they just came out of Egypt. Ten plagues. God delivers them supernaturally, totally uh, uh, against the will of, of a king that would not free them. God brings them out, brings them out laden with gold and silver and riches. And now here they are after all of these amazing blessings. Here they are at the Red Sea and they forget what God had done. They remember not his mercies at the Red Sea. What an amazing thing. So I want to just ask you Do you recall, do you remember all the things that God did for you? Psalm 106, verse 7, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Listen to this, verse 7. Nevertheless, he saved them. Wow. (laughs) Nevertheless, he saved them. What? For his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. Wow. Amazing. What a good God we serve. What a patient, you know, loving God that we serve. That he doesn't wipe us on. That he, even when we forget about him, even when, when we don't, we have not learned the things that God says, you should know this by now. You, you should have learned these lessons. God says, nevertheless, I'm going to demonstrate to you once more that I'm faithful. You can trust me. That you can trust me. And so sometimes we, we extend the time that it takes for us to move into the promised land and possess all that God has for us because in the wilderness, we're not learning the lessons. We're not being discipled in the desert. God is not able to bring us in because why? God loves us. Father God loves us so much that he's not going to give us the promise apart from my preparation process. We need to be ready. You see, a lot of people who fail don't fail just because of having a terrible past. But many people that fail in life fail because of success and prosperity. But I'm just saying the truth is guys, it's not just the negative things of our past. It's success. So God says, before I take you into a place of success, I want to prepare you. I want to prepare you. There's three lessons that God was endeavoring to teach the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness. First of all, he was wanting to teach them that God is their sufficiency, that they just can look to God, they can trust to God in all things. No matter what they go through, God's going to be there for them. Father's going to take care of them. He's going to give them food to eat, water to drink. He did that. Even their clothes did not wear out. Their feet did not swell, nor did they have blisters. God took care of them supernaturally. God is trying to teach them, trust me, I'm your sufficiency. I'm your provider. You see, at the very heart of covetousness is is questionably the whole aspect of of do we really trust in in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ? Do we really believe that Jesus is enough or do we think that there's more? We need more than Jesus and and when we do that, in a sense, we question the character and the very nature of his word because he's the one who said to you, I will provide all you need. He's the one who said you can trust me no matter what you go through, no matter what happens in life. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I'm there at all the time and I will take care of every need you have. But in the bottom of our minds, in the back of our minds, we have this whole thing. God, are you really going to take care of me? Are you really going to deliver me? And God says, look back. Look what I've done. You know, I was with you. I was with David against the bear. I was with David against the lion. And I'm going to be with David when he goes against the giant. And so no matter what your future looks like, I've been with you in your past. Maybe you don't recognize it. Maybe you, do, you don't see it in the obscurity of, of what was going on. But I was there. I was faithful. And I never left you. Now all you need to do is look to me and trust me. Trust me. Trust me. I'm your sufficiency. Don't murmur. Don't complain. Don't say, is God going to bring me through? Don't say, where is God? Don't say, why is this happening in my life? But begin to praise him. Give the devil. A headache, begin to praise God, begin to worship Him in the very fact that the enemy wants you to murmur and complain and question the integrity and the character of God's faithfulness in your life. Secondly, that God wanted to be their satisfaction. What do I mean by that? Well, it's very interesting. When they were in Egypt, there's a point where You know, God goes to Pharaoh, I'm sorry, Moses goes to Pharaoh. And he has the message of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, Pharaoh, let my people go, right? We love that. Let my people go. We love that. But the fact is, God says, let my people go. So they can go into the promised land and have all this stuff, right? They can be popular prestigious powerful and prosperous the american gospel right the gospel of the western nations right success is when i'm famous when i'm powerful when i'm prosperous and jesus died to make me famous Right? that's come on now am i preaching look at i'm telling you the truth that many, many, this many many Christians, that's their definition of success. Yeah, I got a new car. I had a breakthrough this year. Well, what was your breakthrough? I got some more money, you know? More followers on Facebook. I don't know. But the fact is, God's saying this isn't at all the way it is. Look, God didn't say, let my people go, that I can take them into the promised land. I, 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 I challenge you to look for that in the book of Exodus. It's not there you know what he said tell them to let my people go so that they will worship me in the wilderness but yet we hear people preach the exact opposite he didn't say let them go so I can take them into the promised land. He he's let them go so that I can bring them into the wilderness so they will worship me in the wilderness another time he said that they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness but he never mentions the promised land. Isn't it interesting that that we you know we, we have this, this skewed perception of what Christianity is? What's the purpose for coming out of the wilderness to go into the promised land, to be rich, to be prosperous, right? Yes, that's a promise. Yes, God said to the children of Israel, you'll be prospered. You'll have abundance. Yes, you'll, I'll give you protection and, and safety from your enemies. And God did say that, but the whole point is that was going to be the outcome or the byproduct of the, what he was trying to do in their lives. The thing that God was wanting to do and to teach his people, which is the same thing he's trying to teach us today, is that we learn to delight in him. Not in what he can give us, not on what our life may look like because there may be times like the apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content in every situation. I have learned to, I know what it's like to have little. I know what it's like to have much. And then he says in the very next verse, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So the whole point is no matter if I have a lot or I have little, I'm content, I'm happy because I've learned to delight myself in the Lord and I can do all things through Jesus. A place where our Christian life becomes all about being satisfied with him. No matter what we have or don't have. No matter what we're going through. No matter what. Our family situation may be like whether our marriage is necessarily what it should be. Our kids are serving God. Or our finances are where they what we once were, or what we want them to be. No matter what, God's saying, "Will you learn to be content, satisfied, just knowing Me?" Where you can be alone. You know, the test of whether Jesus is your peace, is your contentment, how long can you stay alone in the presence of God? See, most people, what happens is they get alone. They don't have anything to do, and they just become so fidgety and so restless. Why? Because the soul is not at rest. Our soul is not at peace with God. God. So God says, I want to teach them to be my satisfaction. Then lastly, he wanted to be their shepherd. It's interesting that they had to wait upon the Lord. He led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If the cloud stopped moving, they had to stop. If the cloud began to move, they would begin to move. They were not allowed to break camp unless God began To move ahead of them in the form of that cloud and pillar of fire. God is saying, I want to teach you to wait upon me. You know, sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. They won't listen to the voice of a stranger. They follow the shepherd. If the shepherd stops, the sheep stop. I want to be your shepherd. When Moses went on top of Mount Sinai and when he was there, in the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights, it became apparent that the people were not happy with God being their shepherd. Where is Moses? Why is he taking so long? Why is is, is God making us wait? And, and and what's going on here? And and uh, uh, has God forsaken us? Has God? And so what they did was immediately they said we need someone, we need something to guide us, to lead us. We need we need another shepherd. And so they they began to make this this golden calf so that they could worship it. And then they called out and said to the golden calf, they said, Aaron said, this is. your God O Israel that brought you out of the wilderness that brought you out of Egypt into the wilderness why God wants to be your shepherd he wants to lead you I think this is one of the most difficult things for us as Christians the purpose of the wilderness is to bring us to a place where it becomes natural for us to trust in God to do Lead us it's not our secondary response It's not like well I tried I tried to sort it out on my own and you know and 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 then it didn't work out so now I turn to God (laughs) but it's our first and only response is to look to him to guide us this is what entering rest is and you can't have restoration without experiencing rest learning to delight in God's Word waiting for his direction not taking matters into our own hands esteeming his word of greater value than any other counsel god said i brought you into the wilderness to humble you to test you know what's in your heart whether you obey me he said i i I want you i want to to show you and do all this so that you will come to the point where you understand that man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the lord I want you to understand this. I want you to recognize this. We come into the place in our faith journey where we rest in His finished work. We walk confidently in the revelation of who we are based on what He did at the cross. We stop striving. We stop trying to attain a place, but we recognize that only God can do that and only God has, has done that for us. We rest in the provision of His redemption. We cease trying to figure things out on our own and make things happen by our own volition, resources, and abilities. We Psalm 46.10 in the New American says, cease striving and know that I'm God. Cease striving and know that I'm God. We recognize that he has all things planned out for us. We desist from attempts of moving into our own destiny apart from the word of the Lord and the leading of the Spirit. You see, this is what God was trying to do and teach the children of Israel when they're in the wilderness so that they would come into the promised land. They would be ready for what it was he was going to give them. So when they shifted into that place of blessing and prosperity, that God... Had prepared them it would not overwhelm them it would not cause them to forget about him so God says don't live in the past but learn from it so my challenge to us this morning in closing is very simply this here we are standing so to speak at the banks of our own Jordan River we're about to cross over into Not only a new year, but new potential, new opportunities, new breakthroughs, new blessings. But have you mastered? Have you learned? Have you submitted yourself as a good student, as a good disciple of Jesus? To the training, to the lessons he's been trying to teach you. Perhaps in 2018, 2017, beyond come to a place where we don't have anxiety anymore wow it's not easy i struggle with that at times and i've been through so much i've seen god's faithfulness live for 10 years without any type of income like no no salary no pay no no side jobs guys nothing and god kept coming through coming through coming through after 10 years of seeing god do breakthroughs and yes it was very terrible at times and it was difficult at times you think you'd be like no no problem right too easy and then there's times I still like oh God what are we gonna do what are we you know and I just be and then I realize, Wow I haven't learned what God's been trying to teach me he's good he's good you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more your father in heaven he's good he provides he wants us to be satisfied with who he is because what no matter what it looks like in your life whether or not you have yet experienced all that that you think you have coming to you and sometimes that can be really a misunderstanding the whole point of it is this to teach you How to be satisfied with Him. That He's your joy. He's your contentment. And then lastly, will you trust Him to lead you, to guide your steps? Will you follow Him? Will you wait? God says, don't run ahead of me. Don't rush into something. So many people get into wrong relationships, toxic relationships, because out of anxiety and fear, and they don't wait on God. And they get involved in the wrong relationship see it time after time and then it doesn't work yeah you think really you thought that was going to work god hadn't sanctioned it he wasn't in on it so of course it's not going to work god wants or it's going to be misery god's still merciful and he can still turn situations around i recognize but Often the whole point of what we do is we don't wait. God, I I know you're going to take care of me, but I'm 39 years old. (laughs) You know, maybe I need to help you out a little bit here, Lord. You know, Like, like, like Abraham, you know, God, yeah, I know you said you'd give us a son, but you know, maybe Sarah's right. Maybe she has a point. Maybe I do need to, you know, help out a little bit, make a contribution. And so Sarah's handmaid is given to Abraham. And you know the story, Ishmael was born. Yeah. Why? Because we didn't wait on the Lord. Guys, before you go into 2019, it's my prayer for you. You'll learn. God's your sufficiency. He'll take care of every need you have he'll meet your need he wants to be your satisfaction he wants to be the joy of your heart so that you find your joy and your peace in him alone not in anything this world has to offer and then lastly he's your shepherd he wants to guide you he wants to show you the way that you can go you know sometimes it seems like is God really leading me is he really trusting me he is whether you perceive it or not Sometimes his ways don't make sense. Scripture even talks about this, right? His ways are higher than our ways. Because the Lord possesses infinite knowledge and perfect wisdom. He's eternal, almighty, and omniscient. He sees the end from the beginning and is completely aware of the final outcome of all things. And no matter how it appears on the surface, he is actively involved in the affairs of your life. On occasion, he might interrupt your plans, resulting in a you know, perceived sense of, uh, an, you know, a sense of anxiety due to a perceived sense of a loss of control, right? Well, I'm not in control anymore, and, and you get all stressed out and anxious, and God's just trying to say, that's exactly what I'm trying to do, is to bring you to a point where you let go and let me take the steering wheel, so to speak. And as uncomfortable as it may become we must trust him he's leading us psalm 32 verse 8 i'll close with this i know i said in closing but paul said in philippians 3 now finally brethren then in philippians 4 he said now finally brethren paul can do it i can do it psalm 32 verse 8 new living I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Come on now, I will advise you and watch over you. Wow, there's so much there. He's going to guide us. He's going to counsel us, advise us. He's going to watch over. He's going to protect us. So good, so good. Wow, what? Come on, what? Did you try check out another religion that can offer this? There's nothing. Jesus, he's alive, he's, he's here, His anointing, his presence, his power is here. Because he's alive. He's not in the grave. And he's promised by his Holy Spirit, he's going to do all these things for you and me. If we trust him. If we trust him. As our sufficiency. As our satisfaction. And as we trust him as our shepherd. Amen.